Hello and welcome to Kane and Rinse Sound of Play 274. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, you, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 274 is my co-host from the Playwright Podcast, Ryan Quintel. Hey, how you doing? It's good to be here. Hey, um, just for a bit of context, um, you, you could tell by our accents that we're Americans and we are releasing this the day after the... <laughs> beginning of the u.s elections um so depending on how that goes we could be feeling a lot of different things at the moment at this point in time we are recording it just 
a couple days beforehand, so we don't know. We're just going to be loading up a playlist of excellent music that will hopefully get us through whatever <laughs> whatever it is to come, whatever America looks like at this time in yeah. two days. So depending on whatever group you uh, are affiliated with, congratulations, or we can make it through this. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I want to fully extend my congratulations, regardless of the group that they're affiliated with. But uh. Uh, all right, well, that's fair. I've, are we? Surely there are. I'm thinking of Leah, perhaps. Like, how many Americans are in the Caden Rinsa sphere? Yeah, we've uh, we've got Brian Edwards. Uh, there's Jesse as well from uh, New York. Sean O'Brien used to be a part of Kanan Rince, has kind of stepped away, although if he, uh, I think he's still kind of on the on the short list for making guest appearances as a valued member of the team and always will be. Here's Jake. Was Jacob Geller? Yes, Jacob Geller, of course. Yeah, so yeah, a fair few There's of a, us. Yeah. I was the second American, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. I think so. But uh, back in the day, it was a lot more, <laughs> a lot more <laughs> focused in the UK than it is now. Uh, and then, of course, we have some folks uh, farther east in Europe as well. I was playing recently Star Wars Squadrons, um, mm-hmm. that new Star Wars dogfighting game. And one of the things I kind of disliked about it, and I, I kind of dislike about modern Star Wars in general. This hopefully isn't going to be like old man yelling at Cloud. But uh, it's obviously in the name of inclusion and progress. Um, When you go to create an imperial character, you can choose any gender and creed that you want. But Mm -hmm. I really do think that that sort of breaks the mental model of what the Empire was uh, in Star Wars, right? Where they were kind of stand-ins for the Nazis and they were very distinctly, they all had accents, they were all predominantly white male. And it was the rebels that were, you know, at least more shades of the rainbow in terms of gender and um, skin color. And so... Alien species as well. Yeah, that's right. you hardly ever see that in the Empire. (laughs) Right, exactly. It was all like human. uh, (laughs) And so... There's just something that I I think it's great. Give people options, let them represent themselves. Maybe someone feels that they're a member of the empire at heart and they want to see themselves reflected in that. It's a strange feeling, I think, to relate to. But but yeah, I, I can't help but feel strange when they let me like make a black woman an imperial trooper. I just feel like that she would never sign up for doing that, right? Well, I guess we don't know what the like empires, like whether they have like racial hangups or whether we're just kind of imposing our own, you know, human uh, mentality onto, we've never seen like racial discrimination in that way between like humanoid characters as much as like there is discrimination against like other types aliens. of aliens and stuff like that, other species. Yes. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one that's like always, you know, more representation is always good, but I do think about this as well from time to time is like, <laughs> if there is going to be one group that I'm not going to, that we should restrict mm-hmm. potentially uh, coming up with like a accurate representation of self within, like maybe projecting our true selves onto <laughs> the galactic empire <laughs> is uh yeah i don't know you're right it, i think it it's more species ish uh species what is the suffix that i'm looking Ist, for I Ist, yeah speciesist um than it is uh even really genderist yeah but it is a little 
I don't know. It's strange. I feel like they do, they do still kind of play with the same kind of like with the imagery of it in a way like the the first mission in the game shows a a person of color kind of defecting from the empire for yes. essentially civil rights reasons and <laughs> it's kind of like all right well you're kind of having your cake and eating it too it's either race is a factor in right. the galactic empire or it's not and i mean of course like anybody regardless of race can have a conscience and can defect from a group from which they work like it's not a heck yeah it's not meant to paint this one person into a corner with like this is the one aspect of their character that represents them but like obviously ea is drawing upon some kind of real life uh tensions and imagery to to make their point in the story so well i got us all the way here to say that i do fully recognize for kane and rinse uk counterparts that maybe they uh unfairly had a lot of bad guys with their accents over the years in american <laughs> media and uh i sympathize with that that can't be fun to just when you hear a british accent you think of oh this is the empire you know uh so uh we love our our uk Canadians, members, and everybody out there, and uh, one, one, one world. We're doing it together. Let's get into some music. Yeah, we uh, we started off the show with a kind of nice, relaxing piece from Spiritfarer. Um, this is a, a game that I excitedly installed upon release, but I haven't actually booted it up. I think a lot of it came down to like the response it was getting in a way. Is like people said that you know I enjoy playing it but it you know it's it's longer than i want it to be or it's a little bit more impenetrable than i wanted it to be what was your yeah. journey with this game um i might be i i would have to check the clock but i i feel i'm 10 to somewhere between 10 and 20 hours in which seems when you hear that number you go wow that seems long for a an indie 2d uh, game that has found its way onto game pass um but my experience was actually kind of uh shocking i think it's like very easy to put down and and walk away from so i think that's one of the weaknesses of it where you can go fishing or visit an island and then very much walk away from it it almost feels like a switch game in that way where it's designed to kind of pick up in tiny little bursts but i've i've been so charmed by spirit fair and especially because i I realized maybe only a, a couple hours into the game that this game is not concerned about violence in any way. There's actually no punch. There's no hit. Um, all you can do with the people that are uh, sharing your boat with you is feed them, talk to them, and hug them. And uh, the way that you gather resources is by, uh, I guess the most violent thing is maybe chopping down a tree um, and even then, it's a gentle saw back and forth. But uh, you get currency by <laughs> a gentle kind of... saw back and forth. I think that was one of the sequels to. Uh... Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, it's this. Um, yeah, you you even like capture jellyfish by just simply jumping and like making contact with them. So hmm. yeah, it's very charming. This track really embodies the vibe that the game is going for. Um, there are sort of more intense moments, but mostly it is, you, you know, you said this is right after the election. You might need this game right now. <laughs> so feel free, dive in and, and relax. All right. Let's transition to another piece of indie game music with a twist. Uh, this is, of course, based on 
a uh, piece from a very well-known AAA game uh, from back in the day, 1997's uh, Ocarina of Time. My favorite piece of music in that game was the one that nobody thinks about when they think about Ocarina of Time music. You know, it's not like a not like a hidden song within the game, but like it definitely doesn't fit the mood that the game was trying to set up. You know, you think about that kind of melancholic opening score that you would get on the press yeah. start menu or even the um, kind of grand and mysterious Temple of Time music or the, the jovial and fun uh, castle uh, castle town music as well yeah uh, you know actually um speaking of ocarina of time music i i just dug up you know an, an album that i've had for for years and years and years uh have you ever heard the symphony of hyrule that they put out a long long time ago oh my gosh i haven't oh it's a it's a great album um it's uh i mean i've had it as kind of a download, not as like an actual CD. I don't even know if it was released in America, but it's one that I feel has kind of like made the rounds on, uh, you know, kind of digitally over the years, but it's just a beautiful kind of orchestral arrangements of several pieces from Ocarina of Time. And um, as far as I'm concerned, they're kind of like the definitive versions of those songs. Like I, you know, just listening to it again after having not listened to it for a few years, like I could remember every kind of swell in the music and you know the, the every note where it hits because you know, there's uh kind of different cadences when it um when they play it live versus in the actual n64 game and mm. then, uh, it brought back a lot and I'm, I'm sure i'm going to bring some tracks from that onto the show uh in uh, a few weeks time but um yeah i i'd give it a high recommend um the symphony of hyrule it might be called something different in japanese but uh worth tracking down uh, but anyways, this is another album full of Zelda reimaginings in a way. This is from Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda. One of those kind of clunky titles, but uh, <laughs> does does the trick. I uh, I just started playing this the other day. Oh, wow. I'm still, you know, kind of getting to grips with uh, with how the whole system works. Like it, it is pretty, uh, it could be a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> it could yeah. be a little bit, you know, think on your feet. Uh, but, uh, it, it does have that accessibility option where you can kind of turn it to a turn-based type thing. I haven't toggled that on just yet. Cause I'm still kind of enjoying trying to get my head around the music, but I feel like sometimes I'm still kind of like randomly, uh, going in directions and kind of hoping that it works for me hoping that I don't take hits and hoping that I do kill my enemies without like fully being in charge of the cause and effect of the yeah. gameplay yet. Uh, but, uh, anyways couple of tracks from this that i really like i'm just going to blend them into one because uh they're essentially the same piece of music just with some kind of instrumental differences and they're both very short so i'll just play them back to back this is windmill hut peaceful and windmill hut intense um it definitely don't have the same kind of hypnotic you know organ grinder uh type of quality that the original did uh which i use as my <laughs> default ringtone so whenever it comes on uh do one of those kind of checks of my phone not that i ever receive <laughs> phone calls anymore other than uh spam calls yeah um, or, or do you have your phone not on mute with the word discovering this about you right now in real time you're a monster if you're not leaving that thing on mute the whole whole day <laughs> yeah i mean it's 
it's on vibrate most of the time, but uh, I, I used to have it on loud, uh, you know, all the time because I had my kind of custom ringtones and text tones stuff and it was all very pleasant stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's like, why not? Like gets my attention. I love it. Yeah. Windmill Hut, my favorite piece of music from the Zelda games. So uh, great to hear it. Remixed here by Danny Baranowski. And um, yeah, it's kind of a, a nice and danceable tune. Uh, you kind of uh, reacted in surprise when I uh, said that I was just starting out. Is this a game that you have some history with? I played Cadence of Hyrule um, back in kind of around its release period. And I do mm-hmm. remember, yeah, my opening hours were just like trying to figure out how the heck to move, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, I think one thing that the, I wish more than was like the turn-based option was some option where I could change the amount of time before screens are like repopulated uh, with bad guys because I find myself wanting to clear the map and and buzz along very quickly but getting to a screen that has bad guys on it just and grinding to a halt pace wise Mm. is a bit of a bummer especially when you've been through the area you know a hundred times it's funny I just learned that we have this in common windmill hut is one of my favorite pieces of Zelda music as well I I think it's Maybe there's something to the fact that it's 3-3, right? Where it's got this, uh, you know, waltzy boot-da-da, I feel like video game music mostly lives, and most music lives in 4-4 and sometimes up, right? Like more complex, especially as you get into certain scores or you can imagine like Thumper is a great example of super complex time signatures in, in game mm-hmm. music. But uh, yeah, a 3-3 song when it's good, especially when it's looping, uh, it hits hard. And I think the Windmill Hut song is is a perfect example of that. This is a, I mean, not to be nitpicky, but this would be 3-4, but because uh, oh. <laughs> there are chord notes that you're counting. But um, yeah, I've, uh, I, I just finished pretty recently um, Super Mario Galaxy again. Uh, it wasn't my first time through the game, but may have been my first time to get all of the stars. I don't remember. Uh, whether I had done that before or oh, not, wow. but uh, that's another one with a great waltz, uh, a three-four piece of music for its uh, hub theme, the kind of Rosalina's, you know, uh, space station. Mm. It's a a great um, great piece of music in that uh, in that very kind of danceable three-four time signature. So uh, yeah, big fan of those when they come around. There's always something that makes you want to kind of get up and dance to it. Anyways, here is the Windmill Hut Peaceful and Windmill Hut Intense from Cadence of Hyrule.
That was Cadence of Hyrule. Moving on to another indie game. Yeah, we're on a bit of a roll here, and we might be for, uh, well, a little bit longer than this. Uh, this is a request from the forum with a very simple write-in that just says, Yoku's Island Express has some lovely music. Yes, it does. This is Gorilla Woods by Jesse Harlan from Yoku's Island Express. Um, I really like this one. This seems like a Ryan Quintel kind of game. <laughs> Am I accurate in uh, assessing that? You're absolutely right. In fact, I I played it when it came out and beat it on Switch, and it's a very mm. Ryan game. I might even play through it again on Game Pass just to pop some achievements on it and have... Uh... Well, it has exited the Game Pass oh, catalog, no. so unfortunately <laughs> you won't get that opportunity. Well, but I guess I'm going to buy it. I feel like it, it comes around in Humble Bundles and stuff so often that like you have to own it somewhere. I mean, you own it on Switch, apparently. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it'll pop up on other platforms. I wouldn't worry about that. I loved this game. I loved the fusion of pinball and uh, Metroidvania-esque nature mm. of it. And yeah, I think I even at one point when... Um, I think Kanan Rince was doing an interview with Jesse Harlan, right? Mm-hmm. I, I threw in my hat to to ask a question about Yoku's Island Express because I just thought it's it's a game that I think manages to capture island feeling and have like even this Gorilla Woods, it, it feels like you're in a very distinct place sonically, but it, it, it doesn't always spend its whole soundtrack going like the the super adventure island route, which is kind of far more island instrumentation right this song has like snaps and clicks and and pan flutes or something there's there's a lot of cool stuff happening right this is gorilla woods by jesse harlan from yoku's island express Thank you. 
Cuckoo's Island Express. I remember at the time it was announced, uh, thinking that this is a playwright game if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Such a weird combination of mechanics and stuff, but it uh, it really works. It's a pretty magical game. It has some great music throughout. Really terrific to look at. It has that kind of uh, painterly type of uh, Rayman Legends feel to it. Uh, just really a high recommend all around. Yeah, what was the name of that that Ubisoft art engine that they were talking about a few years back. Do you remember that? That was a uh, Ubi art. Yeah. The Ubi art. This looks like it came right out of the Ubi art engine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It might. No, I think this is a unity one, but uh, yeah, it does have that kind of look and feel. I don't know what they've done with that engine. They introduced the engine and then they made <laughs> like three games based on it. And I don't know if they've opened it up to other developers, um, but it seemed like a, I mean, the games I played on it were uh, were great, and so I'm I'm hoping that it's something that uh, you know somebody picks up again in the future. I'd love another Rayman game. That's not an endless runner on phones. Should specify. <laughs> All right, um, this uh, next track is one of yours from another indie game. Uh, this is one that I have not played, but I've heard great things about. I played a bit of the first one. This is from a sequel. I played a bit of the first one. I didn't really get to the point where I felt like I had any control over what was happening, (laughs) which does take a little while. It's one of those games that uh, has a bit of a learning curve to it. But uh, how is the second one in comparison? Is it as kind of difficult to penetrate as the first one or does it get you into the action a lot quicker? It's interesting that you ask that because my experience with this series, which is Risk of Rain, is entirely through the second game. I did not play Risk of Rain 1, and um, going, I I immediately kind of, after becoming sort of enraptured with Risk of Rain 2, I went back and looked at videos of Risk of Rain 1, and I don't think I would have gotten super into Risk Mm -hmm. of Rain 1. It's one of the rare instances of a sequel to a 2D game being in 3D, right? That used to be more popular, especially when 3D tech was new, but Mm -hmm. I do think that... The second game, because of because of the 3D translation, it kind of removes that sometimes daunting skill that challenging 2D games demand, which is pixel. Like, you know when you're touching a bad guy or a trap right down to the absolute pixel. That's kind of gone from Risk of Rain 2, and instead uh, you're going level to level defeating enemies, collecting money, and then opening up chests to get buffs. What I, what was fresh for me when I played it was that the buffs are very varied and a lot of them contain something that makes you feel like you've changed your character in cool ways. Even if it's like a speed boost, suddenly if you, and they stack, so you can pick up 10 speed boosts in a run and suddenly you're running around and jumping like it's crackdown. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you're like, whoa, where? how did I get a crackdown game out of this uh, roguelike? And then, of course, the, the other thing that I thought was interesting about Risk of Rain 2 was this mechanic of it just, it starts at zero seconds. And as the time goes up, it goes from very easy to easy to medium to, I don't know, very Mm. medium (laughs) to hard. Uh, And uh, all the while, and then when you get to hard, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but let me just say that there's plenty of uh, fun difficulties to go past hard. It just left me with this impression of, I I guess I didn't really think of myself as a roguelike gamer. 
um, or a rogue light gamer rather. But when I look back at the past few years and I think of dead cells and I think of the original um, rogue legacy uh, and now risk of rain, I guess maybe I am, but the, the meta progression stuff is important to me and risk of rain actually does it entirely through um, feats that you can achieve. It's not just like, poor experience into a character. If you can perform certain feats as a character, you get new characters and new styles of gameplay. Very interesting. Yeah, this is, uh, as you said, one of those games that translated from 2D to 3D in its sequel. Uh, I, I wonder how how similar the game feel is between the two of them, whether skills from the first would kind of carry over to the second one. Um, I think it would be kind of an interesting uh, comparison to make. Uh, the enemy types I know do like when you go back and watch a video okay. of the first one, there's actually very many of the same enemies and many of the same attack patterns from those enemies, but in 3d space, which is cool. One of the things that like caught me about this game off guard was its soundtrack. This is a very long track and I don't, <laughs> I don't uh, judge you if you end up cutting it down at all, but it's prog rock. Uh, and even the title of this track, the rain formerly known as purple, uh, <laughs> Which is, but I think you'll hear the guitars come in and it does end up going between sounding like a video game soundtrack and a print song and all of this wild stuff. And it, it really is a soundtrack that I think is listenable outside of the game, which I think is rare for me in, in video games. Very cool. This is The Rain, formerly known as Purple by, uh, let's see, how would you pronounce that last name? Chris Christelou. <laughs> maybe i'm uh yeah. overlooking some char characters in there but uh anyways risk of rain 2 music
big fan of, uh, what was it called? Oh boy, I'm gonna have to look this up now. Yes, Mount Your Friends. Uh, have you ever played that one? No. No. It's a game where uh, you have several kind of burly men, and you have to <laughs> uh, uh, stack them on top of each other, and um, you do so by kind of operating their limbs independently, kind of Octodad style, and then whatever you kind of leave them grabbing onto is where they kind of freeze in place. It's it's a great like two-player competitive game, uh, silly and physics-y, but like really deep once you get into it um yeah this is a, a terrific game uh pretty funny all around yeah it's a, a another kind of high recommend but that's another one that made a transition from 2d into 3d for its sequel and um playing it in 3d is an entirely different beast it's uh yeah it's um quite uh quite quite different but it's cool and like it kind of carries over some of the same skills but it gives you something else to learn because you're playing in a third dimension now so yeah if uh if you're in the mood for something silly and competitive if you like that kind of gang beasts or fall guys type of gameplay then uh, mountain your friends might be something a little bit more technical but uh still kind of scratch that same itch is there like a mechanic for actually gripping or is it kind of more of a sticky feeling it, when yeah you're... it's kind of sticky it's like you can control each of the four limbs separately and then as you're holding down the key that's associated with that limb you get control of it if you're not holding down the key then it sticks to whatever it's touching so you know sometimes it's letting go with three of your limbs and kind of swinging yourself upwards sometimes uh the pros even put some weight and momentum and and fling their entire guy kind of you know entirely free upwards uh it's um quite impressive to see people who are really good at the game play it uh, i know that uh sean bell from the uh computer game show one of our kind of sister shows is a uh or at least was competitive in this back in the day and i think kind of bragged about having the like as close to official recognition for being england's champion <laughs> although it was like just because there wasn't a competitive scene and there was like one competition somewhere that he ended up winning but uh still that would be a terrific title to have and then you can say i'm the best at mounting my friends that's right the sequel has a subtitle a hard man is good to climb which is a <laughs> terrific um terrific turn of phrase <laughs> that's very fun i'm seeing that i'm actually watching the gameplay videos as you've been describing it and it's it's quite good it's it's very good yes <laughs> everyone looks like a diglet with muscles so i think that's a good... <laughs> yep and uh no other notable features though just the muscles. <laughs> we have a uh, a piece to break up this monotony of all this indie game gaff. Uh, yeah, this is this is from one of the proper studio games again. Yeah, this is uh, from a real big game. expensive triple A's. <laughs> Just kidding. This is a Sonic game. <laughs> um, this comes from uh, Sonic Unleashed, which I have spoken about on Sound of Play multiple times. And as I have said, I am making it my mission with Sound of Play that uh, if you have not listened to the Sonic Unleashed soundtrack in its entirety yet, then you owe it to yourself to do so immediately because it is better than it has any right to be. Like, it is a unbelievable soundtrack, um, kind of start to finish. It has some of the catchiest pieces of music from a game that I... have skipped and i know a lot of people skipped as well it's a, a game that like i think there is some uh kind of 
like I think there was affection for it going backwards. Um, it, it's the game that introduced the werehog. I should put into context. Um, and people tend to really like the Sonic running levels, really dislike the werehog sections. But because the werehog bit was like the you know marketing gimmick, like that is what people associated it with. And so you know the fact that that was kind of the weakest portion in the game, I think people kind of gave it a pass a lot of the time. Uh, but uh, from what I from what I hear, um, it sounds like the actual running levels are of pretty high quality. And there was actually a modding project on PC for Sonic Generations that modded all of the levels from Unleashed into Sonic Generations so that you could play them there. Um, they would be uh, replacing levels that were currently in the game. You know, kind of how that happens sometimes when you mod new characters into fighting games or something. They have to replace characters that are already there, which is... Uh, kind of a shame you just love to expand the roster but i understand how that goes you know you need you need the flags to call up new levels and stuff like that but still really cool it's kind of a preservation tool i think one of sonic's biggest challenges certainly he hasn't had my my mind share for much of his existence except for the very early stuff and then of course the sonic mania which i i loved i think i i had a track on some sound of play a number of episodes ago from sonic mania and I can't help but wonder if you took most of the Sonic 3D games and just took the hit ratio of like truly great levels or truly great level design and made like one definitive Sonic 3D platformer if you wouldn't have actually like a 10 out of 10 Sonic 3D game. I think even so, and this is all, you know, down to a matter of opinion, but even the Sonic games that I like are just kind of, you know, like a good time, like not, you know, they're not Mario Galaxy level. Yeah. So I don't know if Sonic has it in him to become kind of <laughs> 10 out of 10 in total. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm open to the idea and maybe Sonic Generations with mods will will get us there. there you uh, go. Sonic Generations is uh, is probably my favorite of the Sonic games. It's a, a terrific package all around if, if people haven't played it yet. And even if you have, the uh, 3DS version is entirely different with a completely separate selection of levels. I can't account <laughs> for how good they are, but uh, yes, it is a game, uh, one of those kind of rare games where instead of a straight port, uh, the handheld version is essentially an entirely separate game made from scratch for the platform. So I've got a, uh, I've got Sonic Unleashed to listen to and Sonic Generations to play. Absolutely. Well, anyways, this is a piece from Sonic Unleashed. Um, I should give some context. Unleashed is kind of a globetrotting type of adventure um, where Sonic goes to several different cities and countries that are based on kind of real world cultures. Uh, this one is based on China. Um, it's called Dragon Road. And so, you know, it kind of has some of those flavors in the music. But uh, yeah, as I've... Uh, you know, brought some tracks from the game onto the show in the past. There have been some that have more of an Italian flavor or um, out of a Spanish flavor and, and all these kind of different styles of music that, um, that combine really well to make a uh, super memorable soundtrack. So anyways, this is the uh, Dragon Road Day by Tomoya Otani, Fumie Kumatani, Kenichi Takoi, Hideaki Kobayashi, and Takahito Iguchi from Sonic Unleashed.
is Sonic Unleashed. It just went on sale on Xbox. I wonder if it still is. I might pick it up if it's still on sale anyways. But yeah, it's, um, again, I don't know how well the the, uh, gameplay holds up in total because I've heard those werehog sections are just kind of like bad God of War fights. But uh, uh, yeah, from uh, the music's great. The, uh, The running levels are supposed to be pretty good. So it might be worth a look. I'm I'm seeing currently uh, not on sale, I believe. So you may have missed it, but you know what? Hey, uh, this this Thanksgiving Black Friday, come on, that's right around the corner. I'm sure it's time for another Sonic game sale. Maybe that's when I'll scoop up a bunch of these. That's right. Well, uh, Sega just had their 60th, and so that was kind of a big blowout mm. on uh, all sorts of different platforms. And the Sonic games go on sale pretty regularly, anyways. So just keep your eyes open. Anyways, uh, we have a request from Richard from the forum who says, I have started playing some spooky games this month, kicking off with Paratopic, a short experimental walking sim that looks like a cursed PS1 game and feels like a dream recounted by David Lynch. The brief, <sighs> play t- um, the brief, the brief playtime coming in at under an hour, a disjointed narrative and a lack of traditional gameplay elements might put some people off, but I enjoyed my creepy run through this unsettling back rooms of a game. The music, including this track, Birdwatcher's theme, is implemented well uh, to pull the player just a little deeper into the lo-fi polygonal purgatory. Yes, this is Birdwatcher's theme by Chris I. Brown from the very memorable Paratopic.
satiate people's uh, hunger for some creepy music, we didn't do a Sound of Play Halloween special this year. Uh, apologies. We just uh, kind of uh, ran out of uh, new things to do with that. Just weren't kind of getting the uh, inspiration hitting just right. 2020 is a hard year. <laughs> Don't want to just uh, repeat the same joke over and over. So um, I think we're going to we're going to come back strong next year. Um, but in retrospect, should have probably played some creepy music anyways, but, uh, that's all right. We've got, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's better to have something to kind of lift the soul at this time of year anyways. So, um, yeah, hopefully this will be a kind of a nice halfway point, not a little piece from Paratopic. As I saw this game, like come up on the sheet today, I went and checked out some gameplay and, I think one thing that's going to be so hard about revisiting PS1 era graphics is that sort of weird floaty swimming vertices that the PlayStation mm-hmm. 1 had with its polygons or they never quite felt like they were solid or locked into place but this game gets kind of close with some of its animations it's fascinating to go if you if if you can go check out some some gameplay it gives it it does hit that aesthetic well it does some very strange things with texture mapping, especially, but, uh, yeah, the entire, the entire game is, um, full of very kind of memorable images and, and situations. And it's, uh, it's an odd one, but, uh, definitely worth checking out. Not much of a time investment either. We have a request coming from Twitter from Gassy the Cat, who says, I'd like to request a driving yet unnerving tune by Daedalus from, from Nidhogg. It's mixing my mythologies, but if ever a tune befitted the Hades torture-like running battles to earn your sacrifice in the titular worm, it's this. As I understand, Nidhogg is not actually how you pronounce it. I'm not really, really? sure how you do, though. Wow. Uh, but uh, that is how it's phonetically read. So I think that's that's how I generally hear people talk about it. But um, before we get letters in, I do want to acknowledge that I, I know that's not how it's actually pronounced. Is it like Nidehog or? It's something like. Uh, Nidehoge? Yeah, like Nido or something. I don't know. Oh, Nido, wow. maybe. Uh, but uh, it, it, it was something that kind of it, it felt unexpected when I saw it pronounced or when I heard it pronounced, actually. But uh, yeah, this is a piece from that game um, called Minds by Max Moole. It's a great competitive two-player same screen game uh one that i really should make more time for like i i've had probably a couple good sessions like sitting down with this one and really enjoyed myself but uh uh you know it's one of those it feels like i 10 times out of 10 i prefer playing against computer opponents rather than like going online and playing against enemies and like every game this might be like the only exception where it feels like playing against humans is uh preferable to playing against the computer and they do a good job of like coding in good computer ai but like this game is such like a like a mind game in a way that yeah uh, you know it feels most satisfying when you're playing against other people and i'm like i'm the type of person who prefers computers in like multiplayer shooters and smash bros like i'm uh I'm a CPU apologist across the board. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm the same way. Um, maybe I'm, it's just because of my aging reflexes. But yeah, there's something to me. I I don't get pleasure usually out of besting another person in a competition because mm-hmm. video games for me are very much me versus the machine in my mind. So, but Nidhogg, actually, this is the same thing with Risk of Rain. Uh, a second game 
in a series now on this episode that my primary interaction has been with the second one. And um, I fell in love with the second one. And, and and like Risk of Rain, you kind of go back and you watch the first one. And so many people I know had the opinion of the, the second one kind of ruins the art style of the first. But I go back and the, and the first one just looks foreign and strange to me <laughs> when I see it. So... You know, I think it's some uh, something. There's something too out there. The notion that hey, game developers, hey, uh, franchise fans, for someone that's going to be their first Nidhogg. It's going to be their first Risk of Rain, and you know, making sure that it's sound or that it's a great first time experience is still important. But yeah, I'm, this is a great track, and and I think Nidhogg has that that feeling of it's <laughs> this music isn't doesn't even need to make sense in the game it almost just needs to be a good backdrop between two friends who are shouting at each other as they try to you know kill each other over and over again right this is minds by max mole short piece of music from an indie game this is spoiled kid from outer space by Raphael muir from chroma squad a uh, tactical strategy game in which you play a group of kind of power rangers um mm. type of uh, superheroes playing on the set of a tv show and battling uh the various kind of aliens and enemies from the show uh it's uh yeah it's it's very kind of memorable game there's really nothing like it and um this is just my favorite piece of music from the soundtrack it's real short just 41 seconds but it has such like a a great immediate energy to it you know kind of like something off of the uh uh, what is it the uh gosh its name is entirely left my mind i was going to reference another game with an excellent soundtrack 
uh, Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the world. There we oh. go. That has that kind of immediate, you know, bouncy get up and go type of feel to it. Uh, but um, yeah, this is a, a fun chip toony type of uh, type of uh, piece of music. Uh, have you played this one? No, and I loved uh, Power Rangers as a kid. So this is <laughs> this is something that every time I've seen it, I guess one thing that's been missing is just a personal recommendation from someone I know who's played it. But so much of those are well, I can't help you there. Actually, I'm uh, I haven't dove into the game as much as I've listened to the soundtrack. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's a fantastic soundtrack, and I I I'm I'm happy to be in 2020 and seeing all of these Power Ranger esque things kind of come back into the conscious power ranger action figures are back they just uh, announced that they're doing the the old power ranger action figures that when you like press their belts it kind of opens the chest and the head flip around yeah the heads (laughs) flip so they're doing the uh head flip morpher figures again and uh it's uh, you know as somebody in their mid-30s this is i know it's irrational and i shouldn't want these things but there is something saying hey ryan remember this and boy oh boy yeah, Chroma Squad hits that totally. And this music, yeah, it's right in line. I, I it, It's great. That's right. And this uh, last year or two years ago, maybe, uh, actually older than that, because it was on mobile first, I believe, but we just had the Power Rangers Battle for the Grid fighting game, uh, yeah. which I played through the story mode of when it was, um, I, I mean, I think it's still on Game Pass, but uh, when it first came to Game Pass, on uh, pc and console um it's uh it's actually a fun little fighter you know it's it's a little bit like bare bones is turned as as in terms of content and it is trying to upsell you to additional content but um you know for what it's worth like it's a pretty fun like frantic marvel versus capcom style fighter you know the one where where it's kind of fast you're trying to get long combos in there's a lot of throwing each other all across the screen there's you know screen filling special attacks and stuff like that it's uh it's a pretty good time i played some of it in story mode as well and i i didn't finish it because it like i i think i got like one third or two thirds of the way through and then there was a whole nother act and i was like okay I, i i get where this is headed but um yeah i'm chroma squad because it's such a different genre power ranger games have always been these kind of brawlers or action fighter sort of games and i love the idea of a power rangers experience that doesn't have to just be about um that style of play so maybe chroma squad's a thing that'll unlock it for me this is spoiled kid from outer space by Raphael muir from chroma squad today but before we do that uh we'd like to remind everyone to head over to our forum at canonrince.com slash forum or get in touch with us on twitter at canonrince um, where you can request your favorite pieces of video game music and we'll play it on a future show uh, let's see we have uh, other podcasts on the network canonrince comes out on mondays playwright comes out on thursdays and the sauces factory comes out on fridays if you're interested in 
video game historical deep dives, the creation of crazy new video game ideas and discussions with game designers, respectively. Um, We also have a Patreon if you would wish to keep this whole kind of venture afloat. Any donation is appreciated as it goes. Um, Anyways, it's uh, it's been a fun conversation and we still have a little bit more to listen to, but I've been Ryan Heyman and I would just like to thank my my guest, Ryan Quintel. Is there anything in particular that uh, you would like to draw people's attention to? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, uh, I will just say maybe you're a Sound of Play listener and you've been listening for a lot of episodes and you haven't checked out Playwright yet. It's just you're not you don't have a room for another show in your rotation. Um, my my podcast pitch instead of video game pitch to you is it's really just about creativity having fun we keep it under an hour each week um and we would love for you to come check us out and if you're feeling brave throw a video game idea our way you can tweet it at us you can go to playwrightcast.com you can send it in to playwrightcast at gmail.com and it can be as simple as this game meets this game or it could be as complicated as I've been thinking about a way to tell a story about X, Y, and Z and um, going super deep. But uh, we would love for you to give us a try, and I think uh, you'll enjoy it. Unless you really just listen to the show because I'm not on it, in which case you will hate Playwright <laughs> because I tend to be on every episode, but uh, that's, uh, that's about the difference. Sorry, Playwright is a ton of fun. Um you know, if you ever, if you ever kind of stop and hover over interesting little videos from weird indie games that have complex and, and cool ideas, I know that the uh, Octo Curio on Twitter does a great job of highlighting interesting indie games and, and giving real kind of digestible uh, video segments or GIFs sometimes that show the game in action. Uh, and actually Ryan Brown as well on Twitter to bring another Ryan into the mix here. Um, who has uh hosts the uh toad on games uh podcast as well um but he does he's uh has kind of an ongoing thread of um highly recommended free indie games and many of those are new to me as well and just have delightful and weird ideas um so if you find yourself the type of person who is drawn to just those interesting concepts and um and just kind of pushing the boundaries of what games can do and be uh, Playwright is a great place to experiment with those different things and to try to find ways to break interactive art as a whole. So every Thursday, there's really like you can start listening at any time, but like really there is an entire backlog to get into. The games aren't topical for the most part. Like we will sometimes be basing it on games that we're playing at the time, but like there's no reason to, you know, not listen to old episodes. It's, you know, just as relevant now as it's ever been just because they're, you know, completely, you know, original video game ideas. So um, don't feel like it's ever too late to get into it. And uh, don't feel like if you uh, if you enjoy it, don't feel like you have to wait for the next week for another show, because there are always shows going backwards. We've been doing it for over three years now. So plenty of content to listen to at this point. All right. This uh, last piece of music comes from a 2020 game that has been consistently popular since its launch uh do you want to give us maybe your history with the game and why you chose this piece of music yeah i so if for me it's so rare for a new game to come out by a fairly unknown developer 
and for it to fire so well on on so many aspects of the game. And I think Fall Guys, which is what this this track is from, and it's the most probably recognizable track in the Fall Guys soundtrack, was is both visually very uh, clean uh, in its presentation. It it all but feels like it could have come out of Nintendo or Sega. And I think the same thing with this music. There's aspects of this song that have, uh, let's call it big Splatoon energy, uh, (laughs) in terms of how it sounds. But, uh, yeah, this is the main theme called everybody falls, uh, in the fall guys soundtrack. And I think everybody falls is also a wonderful, just sentiment in terms of, um, it's true of life. It's true in the game. Uh, and this soundtrack, you can go and listen to covers and acapella covers and stuff of it. And I think it's just very fun, upbeat, and it gets me ready to to compete. Very cool. This is Everybody Falls by, let's say, Yukio Kayo, Yukio Kayo, and Daniel Hagstrom from Fall Guys. Fall Guys. 